0: Two minutes and 43 seconds from the YouTube Audio Library, it's the intro! Frustration Nation, the FN podcast for FN fans of FN sports teams. On this podcast, we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Chicago fan, Kyle George, and I'm here with a miserable co-host and Detroit fan, Shane Westwood. Shane, what we got going this week?
1: Can I have this dance? We're now four episodes in to what is one of the most interesting sports documentaries we've seen. The goat becomes human. Pippin gets pissed. Rodman might be an alien, and Phil Jackson is definitely a magician. We share our thoughts on this doc and the 97-98 Bulls here on episode 12 of the Frustration Nation podcast. First, let's start with our tradition, the weekly vent sesh.
2: Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the hate flow through you.
0: Okay, well, let me just start. stop right there and tell you that I know that this is Frustration Nation, but Bears fans need to calm the frick down. Like, I see people just going totally crazy about... The Cole Kmet pick, I feel like if the unless the Bears would have picked Joe Burrow or Chase Young somehow, some miracle, fans would still be upset with the pick. Even if we had the third or fourth overall, no matter who we had, mm-hmm. Bears fans would find a way to be upset. And frankly, even if we had Burrow or Young, people would still be upset in some <laughs> stupid way because Bears fans are stupid on Twitter. Yeah. That being said, please follow our podcast. <laughs> but here's the deal. You have people who are like, oh, I think Trubisky should still start. No, it's obviously gonna be Nick Foles. Get over it. I liked Trubisky too. Up and I mean up until last season, obviously. So it's gonna be Nick Foles. Just get over it. There's people that legitimately believe that the Bulls there the the Bears should have traded like a whole bunch of the future for Joe Burrow. Huh. Also, probably not the smartest. People think that we lost the Khalil Mack trade. Too early to tell. People think the O-line is fine. It is not. People are stupid you can find every version of stupid on twitter every aspect of the game people all over the place with everything you have half the half the bears fans population saying that colt is gonna be great you have half the population saying that he's gonna be horrible let's look at it this way he hasn't played it down in the nfl yet how about instead of forming your opinions before you see anything let's give it a second watch him play and then you can shout about it like just take a breath okay You'll do yourself and everyone a favor, and, and you'll you'll save the environment by holding your breath. Okay, somehow that works with green energy. Yeah. Um sounds right. <laughs> yeah, that is my main vent sesh right now. Is that Bears fans just need to calm down, just you keep your pretty little bear mouths shut.
1: Nice, I like that one because I can relate too. So that's a, <laughs> that's a good one. All right, my rant this week is that. Today's NBA just seems less fun after watching the old NBA on Last Dance. and I won't say too much yet because we're breaking down the show on this episode and I know this is such a boomer thing to say. There's actually a lot about the modern NBA that I like better. easier athlete access to athletes on social media, better TV production. It's a higher overall skill, I think. Um, but one thing is clearly missing in today's NBA modern basketball has no real rivalries and kyle and i talked about this but i guess lakers clippers maybe celtics 76ers what else am i missing there's nothing though that compares to what i saw between as a pistons fan the pistons celtics and pistons and bulls and then like lakers celtics two is a big one different eras clashing one team's on their way out the other one's coming in superstars battling it out just nothing even close today And as a fan, I want this kind of hatred so I can really get invested. That's why college football is my favorite sport right now, is I have multiple hated rivals to get me fired up at multiple points throughout the season. And we talk about this too, Kyle, that the league is just different now. Uh, It's it's player-driven more than team-driven. And for better or worse, that means players don't stay on the same teams as long or develop the same rivalries. So this just makes me, I guess, miss the old days, even though I wasn't alive to see them. (laughs) And I didn't know what I was missing. Interesting. <laughs> I I agree with you.
0: But bringing up the point that we weren't allowed to see them is yeah. interesting.
1: <laughs> but after having spent a lot of this week watching the last dance and then just watching old, it made me want to go watch old Pistons, Bad Boys highlights. You don't have the same, I don't know. It's just missing. And I didn't know it was missing until I see it in the old NBA.
0: I'm, I'm just saying it's kind of funny because I feel like the same way how people in our generation are like, man, if only if only we were there in the 80s, the 80s would have been so cool or whatever. Or if only we would have been there, you know, in the 50s when every when there's peace everywhere. But there's <laughs> yeah. probably a lot of stuff we didn't know that happened during that time. So, yeah.
1: And like, that's why I was careful to say there's a lot about the modern NBA I do like better. Um, yeah. But that's that's one specific thing, the rivalries, that is not there, that I wish was.
0: Honestly, that is a perfect transition into our main topic for the day, which is The Last Dance. At this point of recording, we've seen the first four episodes. The episodes, they've done a really interesting way. They're telling the story of kind of jumping back and forth between different times in history and different people. The main skeleton of the plot is the 97-98 basketball season, but they really weave in tons of other stories. And frankly, pretty much, I feel almost all of Bull's history up until that point throughout these four episodes. So, But we, we've kind of divided it down based on who the focus is. There's always an individual they're focusing on. So the first episode, the focus is Michael Jordan. The second episode is Scottie Pippen. The third is Dennis Rodman. And the fourth, the focus was Phil Jackson. So we are going to go episode by episode and kind of break some things down. And since this is my team, I'm going to kind of lead the charge on some of these things. But I know Shane has several thoughts that we will get to. So episode one, Michael Jordan episode, man, this show is just so well produced. It's so well put together, so well edited. And the interviews they got of players and commentators and things are absolutely riveting. I I cannot take my eyes away from the tv especially when michael jordan is talking so this first episode kind of just laid out the groundwork for the rest of this episode it talked a lot about michael jordan's background and it kind of did pre-season stuff from the 97 98 season so Mm -hmm. just kind of set the groundwork for everyone this season was the last one jerry Krause, the gm and i ranted about him last podcast um (laughs) I'll have some nice things to say about him actually later on, um, but he uh, he told Phil Jackson, "I don't care if you go eighty-two and zero, you're you're done after this season." And it actually took it actually took uh, persuasion by the Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf to get Phil Jackson to stay, which was a detail I didn't catch the first time. So Phil Jackson said, "Guys, this is the last dance," and just some quick notes on things that just in that <laughs> alone that blew my mind when I heard other people talking about it is coaches today wouldn't do that. A coach, if if a coach was told in private that this is the last year for you, no matter what you're, that's just, that's something you're keeping from your team until yeah. like the last game, you know? Mm-hmm. And usually that's because it would hurt the team morale, but Phil was like, no, like I'm telling them now, and tell him this season, like, remember what this is like. Make it, make this happen the way you want to remember it because it's the last time it's going to happen. And that's a really gutsy call for him as a coach to make that and to tell his team up front. I just think it's super cool. I'm honestly getting chills thinking about it um, because what that shows me is that not only did he care about winning and knowing that he could get the best out of his players if they had motivation like that, But he also cared about the players and saying, you guys are human and you're going, you're having like the time of your life right now winning all these championships. But the time is coming to an end and you really want to soak this in while you can. And I just think that's super cool.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Like you said, yeah, you don't, I don't know if it's a different mindset today or if it just speaks to the uniqueness of that situation, even at that time. Um, But that's part of what makes it so The whole last dance idea, knowing that going into it is what makes us unique.
0: Oh, for sure. So Jerry Cross said that um, there were talks about Michael Jordan retiring. There were um, Scottie Pippen had been displeased with his contract. We'll get into that later. And Mm -hmm. he was causing kind of his own ruckus. There's just a lot of things that were starting to look bad for this Bulls team, which really is more of an insider look because – I would imagine the morale in Chicago was very high, thinking that they just won their second championship in a row, their fifth overall in seven years, and mm-hmm. that uh, the whole team is still there. Everyone, like, the roster's the same, so why can't they win another one? I could see the morale in Chicago being totally different than the morale on the team. Hmm. Anyway, in this episode, you really get to hear from Michael Jordan, and what was super cool was, when was the last time that we've really heard extensively from Michael Jordan? Mhm. It's been a long time. Maybe his Hall of Fame speech, maybe he did he spoke briefly at Kobe Bryant's funeral. Um yeah. but like you don't hear from Michael Jordan very often anymore.
1: Talking about himself especially, you know, his yeah. own career.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't I'm not saying that anything against Michael Jordan. Um I I actually kind of appreciate him for that reason of not liking to talk about himself. Um, yeah, But I just appreciated how human he was. Mm. Um, Michael Jordan has become a mythological figure in our society where we see him and we associate him on the same level as a god of some sort. And that Mm -hmm. he's on a status, a level that nobody could ever reach. And that he doesn't go through the same things we do. But to finally be able to get to hear a lot of these things straight from his mouth is just super cool. It's mm-hmm. like raw, it's human. One of my favorite things was uh, in that first episode was they had his mom, Dolores, read a letter he had sent her in college. And in the letter, he it said something along the lines of like, hey, mom, I included my account number on here so you can put some money in for me and mm-hmm. send me stamps. Yeah, <laughs> like a book of stamps. Yeah, and it's like, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So that was just cool because like, he came from he came from humble beginnings and i think sometimes that's overlooked space jam didn't really get very much into his childhood it just <laughs> yeah <laughs> not that it's a biography but anyway <laughs> so it was just super cool that that was my favorite part of that episode and probably my favorite part of this whole series so far is michael jordan and just the the total transparency and honesty that's there Mm-hmm. So that episode, um, it continued to talk about kind of the conflict between Jerry Krause and the players in the front and off, and the players and the coach, Phil Jackson. And then it kind of went back into Michael Jackson's, be- or not while Mike- wow, Michael Jackson.
1: Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part of the documentary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm lending Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson right now. Anyway, oh yeah, yep. Um, it went back into Michael Jordan's childhood and specifically his time in high school and college. A lot of this isn't isn't really new information for anybody that's done really any research on michael jordan it's Mm -hmm. pretty widely known that he did not make his varsity team at high school and he went back and trained super hard over the summer a lot of people know he went to north carolina the thing i didn't know was one that james worthy another hall of famer was his teammate at north carolina Mm -hmm. that team must have been super good obviously (laughs) Um, But I loved when James Worthy said a practice was over one day and Michael was like, hey, let's do some one-on-one. And James Mm -hmm. Worthy says to the camera, he's like, that's because I was better than him for about two weeks. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's crazy. Um, College basketball is different now because pretty much everyone's there a year and they're gone. But back then, players being there for longer and to think that the freshman comes in – and is already Mm -hmm. the best player on the team that is that really says something yeah it was just super cool i really don't have too many thoughts on the mj episode because there's just a lot of setup really uh at one point at the end they go to a trip to france that was part of the preseason deal there it was just for an exhibition game and it just kind of talked about michael stardom the fact that he could he didn't have to wear bulls paraphernalia to for people to know who he was Mm mm-hmm one of my favorite moments was when a a Frenchman was putting on uh Jordan's mic yeah. and then after that he was like and can you sign this and Jordan <laughs> and the look he gave him was just oh, oh it was so great. Um <laughs> and the other the other agents like not now, not now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um So anyway, that episode was super super good. And basically again, the emphasis on the this first ep- these first two episodes was Jerry Krauss. And kind of the problems he was causing by wanting to ship off players or wanting to cut Phil short end the season like he, he wants this dynasty to be over. Um, a lot of it was being suggested that his ego grew to a point where he felt like he it was unjust that he was not getting the credit that he deserved for assembling this team, that all the credit was going to the players and to the coach and um that he was being undercut and sort of almost as a way to stick it to them he wanted to end everything
1: almost to show he could rebuild it right (laughs) you know yeah
0: i i think personally and i'd have to i have to stew on this a little bit more but for Mm. now i've i've watched these episodes multiple times i really think that he's villainized probably more than he actually was in these first two episodes and like i said i have some nice things to say about him later on um Mm. but I have a hard time believing that he wanted to do this just to break them up, just to show them. There's probably an element of that, but I don't think that was the sole reason. I don't mm-hmm. think he is that maniacal or that much of a villain. But that was definitely a major point of contention for Jerry Krause. The first episode ended with the Bulls getting their rings from the previous year's championship. And basically, um, Scotty Pippen essentially giving what sounded similar to a retirement speech. Mm-hmm. at that ring ceremony and that led into the second episode which was aired back to back with the first one and the focus was scotty pippen the pippen episode is interesting um all i knew about scotty pippen before this was that i knew that he went to a small school in arkansas i couldn't remember the name and i knew that he went in undersized and came out six seven <laughs> and yeah tons of muscles so this episode really painted the picture of his his humble beginnings as well as michael jordan's and I'll get back into that in a minute. But really the most significant thing in this was the statistics that they showed at the very beginning of the episode. They laid out that Scottie Pippen was basically in a contract dispute with the Bulls, hmm. and then they proceeded to show what Scottie's accomplishments were with the Bulls. And at this time in 1997 off season, Scottie was second on the team in points. I think it was points. Yeah, second on the team in rebounds, second on the team In minutes played, he was first on the team in steals. He was first on the team in assists. He was like always top or second. And you know, the only time he was ever second was probably because Michael was number one.
1: Yeah, so he's probably number one on every other roster, just about.
0: Right, exactly. And then it showed that Scottie Pippen was the sixth best player, the sixth best paid player on the Bulls. Yeah. It's crazy. And it, he was the 122nd best-paid player in the league. Mm-hmm. That is a staggering number, especially when you consider that, like, if you consider, like, just five starters, right, and yeah. 30 teams, that's 150 players, mm-hmm. and he's 122nd. Yeah.
1: That's... He's behind several bench players, probably, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I... Hmm. it it honestly kind of made my heart break for him because i always have kind of liked scotty pippen from what i knew about him and to hear that i was like wow that is just super super unfortunate and they talk about that contract and how jerry Reinsdorf, the owner was like hey you know you want to be careful um i wouldn't take that deal um because when he made
1: his extension originally or whatever
0: yeah so the extension was i think it was 15 million over seven years which Um, yeah really even then is not very good it would be great for hockey but any other sport not really
1: yeah plus you figure which they talked about too the way that contracts go up in general and the salary cap goes up by the time that contract was almost done that was really not a good contract
0: right and scotty because of his humble beginnings which i'll get into in a minute he felt very responsible for supporting his family Mm-hmm. Um, which I also find very honorable of him, and so he was like, "I'm taking this guaranteed money because I need it. I can't risk my." He said in the documentary, "I can't risk myself getting injured, yeah, and losing out on money that my family needs." And so, really, kudos to him on that. But a, yeah. as a result, he he paid a big price because he's like the one of the best players in the entire league, and he's getting paid like, you know. I, I don't know. He's getting paid like someone else's trash. Like he, yeah. he, and the thing about Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, saying like, oh, you know, I wouldn't take that deal, to me it felt a little two-faced because they said in the same breath that Reinsdorf wasn't willing to renegotiate contracts. Yeah. But, dude, if you were advising him not to take it and he took it and you knew he was doing it for his family, why would you? why are you being so dickish to then not let mm-hmm. him... Um, Renegotiate. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, the other hand, too, like devil's advocate. Obviously, by paying him basically pennies compared to his worth, it lets you build the team around him that you do. But again, that not that that, yeah, helps Pippen as far as his financial situation. Right. Um. But like, I kind of look at that as more. I get why he did it, and then maybe it maybe was honorable to try to take the money up front, like you said, for his family. Right. If anything, I kinda look at Pippen and I feel like he kinda played himself and then was upset at ownership for taking advantage of a situation the situation afterwards. That's fair. Um, which I think it it goes to both. Like I like yeah. you said, morally, like the right thing to do. Yeah, it's kind of a dick move to as the owner take advantage of that and let him make so little money. Yeah. But as the owner, on the other hand, he signed up for that, whether he did it for a good reason or not. He agreed to it. And in general, I'm normally all for supporting the players as opposed to the teams. But like I said, as a as an owner or as the Bulls, you're looking at this like, all right, yeah, great. We're going to be able to take advantage of this later and not in a yep. way that's necessarily hurting him, but putting a good team around him.
0: So then the last part that they kind of set up, that's like the pre-97 season stuff, is basically when Scotty. <laughs> Scotty takes his turn in being a dick. And that is, he had, I think he said, a, a ruptured tendon or an agitated tendon in his Achilles um, at the end of the 97, 96, 97 season. And normally players would get that operated on right away. But according to Scotty's own words, I'm not
2: going to fuck my summer up.
0: And um, he wanted to make sure. He could enjoy his summer and he knew he needed to essentially hold out to get the money he wanted. So he arranged for his surgery to happen right at the end of the off season, which caused him to miss. I think it was 32 games or something, which, you know, that's about half the season. So um, that was kind of where they left off before kind of jumping into his background. So these are all things I did not know about Pippen Um, growing up. He grew up in Arkansas He had a huge family. Um, His dad and his brother were both wheelchair bound. His dad because of a stroke, his brother because of an accident, just crazy stuff. And you can imagine when you have family that is then disabled, feeling even more burdened to take any money that's offered you to support them. Absolutely, yeah. And based on everything, it sounded like they were in more of a rundown section of Arkansas. So getting them in the best position possible. One of Scottie Pippen's brothers was interviewed, and he basically said, yeah, Scotty took care of us. So, like, I really find that honorable from Scottie Pippen. I knew he went to the a small school in Arkansas, but it was the University of Central Arkansas, which, of course, nobody's ever heard of, which I just think speaks, again, to his humble beginnings. And it's kind of yeah. funny because if you look at the highlights, he's like a total cheat code there. <laughs> he went in at, like, 5'10 or 5'11 or something, and he left college at 6'7". Yeah, it's <laughs> And so it's no question like if you think about his talent that's definitely big school talent and he went to the University of Central Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing as like Walter Payton went to Jackson State instead yeah. of it's just crazy.
1: And you wonder how much of that I mean you would assume as a player you're confident in your own abilities but how much of that contributed to him taking the money up front because in his mind Maybe he never even expected to make the NBA. And then the fact that he's offered this kind of contract up front, he went to a smaller school. Maybe he's thinking, yeah, I'm going to take the money now because he doesn't know if he's going to be yeah. a great player six years from now. That know? could
0: be. Yeah. Um, the next thing I didn't know was that he was originally drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. Yeah. Um, I had no idea about that. Um, and this is one of the areas where I want to give jerry Krause some compliments he was willing to do what it took to trade up to get scotty pippen and i think i don't know what he gave up to get him but anytime you trade up that's a bold move and it means that you're totally buying in and trusting in a certain player and jerry Krause was definitely doing that with scotty pippen which i think to many people would seem strange coming out of a small school from arkansas but he did what it took to be done that you can't take that away from him and yep. everyone says the biggest compliment jerry Krause deserves is he assembled the team and in this episode the pippen episode michael jordan he even says he says something this is paraphrasing but he says whenever they speak michael jordan they should speak Scottie pippen yeah saying like i am not michael jordan without Scottie pippen essentially
1: and, yeah. and you see that the season when he's out for a lot of games you see those struggles so
0: Oh, totally, and I think they get more into that in the next episode. But Michael Jordan, he's just he, he says Scottie Pippen was the greatest teammate I ever had. So Jerry Krause may not have drafted Michael Jordan, but he got Scottie Pippen, who was essentially the other key piece for them to win these championships. So props to him on that. That was kind of the past. And then jumping back forward to the future, which is again kind of like what they're doing a lot their timeline hopping in this mm-hmm. series. They show they talk about again Scottie getting his surgery right before the season started and Michael Jordan I love this too because he's not trying to pay compliments or anything or to be to speak niceties or to be careful about what he says. He's just shooting straight. And uh-huh. he's basically just like Scotty was being self. Michael was like and I was counting on him. And Scotty thought only about himself and it it hurts the team. And what I like about that, and you alluded to it in your event sesh, is that Michael there is team focused and More and more to me in this series, I'm seeing that Michael is always team focused. Mm -hmm. Like he cared about himself a lot. Like he wanted himself to be the best possible, but it seemed mostly for the team, you know.
1: Even having to reinvent himself a little, which is we'll talk about later. But yeah, absolutely.
0: So I like that he called Scotty out there, and then they mentioned how Scotty was demanding a trade. He he had had enough. He's like. Jerry Krause isn't going to pay me. Jerry Reinsdorf isn't going to restructure my contract. I know I'm a valuable asset. I know I'm going to get paid somewhere, so I'm demanding that I get traded. So they kind of show some montages of, like, kind of the frustration from that, and um, they do show the beginning of the nineteen the 98 season, the Bulls really struggling. <laughs> there was one moment where they lost to the Washington Wizards, and Phil Jackson, he goes to, like, slam the door, but before... <laughs> Before yeah. he could slam it, he had to remove the door stop that was there, <laughs> which I just think was kind of funny. Yeah, Jordan was just like, I, I had no one to count on. And so they showed some clips from practice of him, like really trying to get on other players or shout at players, just trying to get them, guys, I need your help. I cannot do this alone.
1: And I really liked those parts. That was interesting too.
0: At that point, they kind of go back into Jordan's background again a little bit. Um, they talk about him fighting for his father's attention, trying to beat out his brother Larry. I related a lot with Michael Jordan here because um, James Jordan, Michael's late father, in an interview said, like, Larry was great. He would help me around the house. Like, if he needed a – if I needed a this specific wrench or whatever, Michael would bring me a Phillips screwdriver. And I relate so much with that. <laughs> My brother is the one that, like, has the mind for fixing things. And so yeah. if he's ever working on something, I'm usually not – included because i'm a waste of space and air when it comes to that so i related to michael with that and then michael they had a section where they talked about michael jordan's injury which i had no idea about didn't know he had a serious injury his second season in the league i thought that was super interesting and probably the most most interesting piece to that Was that he requested and got approved to go back to college.
1: Yeah, I had had never heard that. That was interesting. I don't know
0: under what he told the Bulls he was going to do back at college. But in this documentary, they basically said he went back to college just to play pickup ball. Because he knew he was healing just fine. And that he was capable to play. But no one was going to let him do it in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they talked about the whole 10 90% thing. And so what I mean by that is in this in this episode they said how this injury that Michael sustained which was a break a clear break of like not your toes but like the main foot bone itself, ten, they, he basically had a 10% chance that he would re it And Michael in his interview, he's like they were not they were being all negative. I'm trying to focus on the 90, 90%. And mm-hmm. then Jerry Reinsdorf is like, "Well, what happens If it falls into 10% and they were like, it could be career ending, but it just shows you how much Michael Jordan cared about this game and his team that he wanted to be back out there. And so then that led to honestly, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, which was he came to an agreement because basically the owners didn't want him to play. They were trying to essentially tank to get better draft pick. And Michael was like, no, I want to get this team to the playoffs. And so the ownership came to an agreement because Michael was injured and we're like, okay, you can play seven minutes a half, which is essentially a quarter of a half. And I just chuckled at that because to me, telling a basketball player that has like a serious foot injury, you can play seven minutes a half is totally different than telling a major league pitcher that's like re uh, rehabbing that. They have a pitch limit of like 70 that day or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you see that? I feel like that's a totally different thing.
1: Yeah, you don't see that dynamic really. Like it seems more common to limit pitch counts. Um, or like in football, you limit the amount of snaps that they play. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like the kind of thing that's, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe a lot of that does happen on the coaching side of it that we don't know about, but at least you don't hear about publicly saying, this guy only has this many minutes and definitely not as strictly as Jordan's was, where they're, you're going to pull him out, like you're going to blow a whistle to say you've hit your time. We're going to call time out and pull you Which out.
0: is literally what they did. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get, I, I, I didn't get that logic. Um, what would make more sense to me is to follow more what like they're doing with load management now, which would be like, you know, he plays mm-hmm. a game, he sits for one or two, he plays, you yeah. know, like that makes more sense to me doing the seven minutes a half. I don't think that, That really did nothing but anger Michael Jordan, which led to the playoffs. So they did make the playoffs um, on basically a last-second shot by John Paxson, and they meet the Celtics in the first round. And this leads to one of the most legendary games that you hear about from Michael Jordan. Uh, In Game 2 of that series, he put up 63 points on the Celtics in the playoffs. And he, an interesting note that I heard, too, is that not a single one of those was a three-pointer. 63 points from free throws— and that's crazy yeah and two point shots um (laughs) wow and because in the playoffs they were like okay yeah you can take away the seven minute rule it was almost like they said we're doing seven minutes a half to limit michael so we can tank to get the better pick and then once they made the playoffs they were like well now we'll try to win a championship now you can play as much as you want and i guess that's why it made me mad Hmm. but that was the the famous quote from that game was when larry bird said that wasn't michael jordan that was god disguised as michael jordan So just a super cool quote, super cool game. Main thing I didn't know, and Shane, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't realize the game before Michael put up like 45 points or whatever.
1: No, I didn't know that.
0: So in two games, he put up over 100 Mm -hmm. points alone. And when you consider that back then, like the normal scoring was between 80 and 90. So he put up more than one game's worth of points in two games, which is incredible for a player
1: like you said the key is especially in that nba now it just seems like it'd be a really solid but not yeah otherworldly like it was yeah. then.
0: so then that episode ended with scotty pippen basically he's super mad and he starts berating jerry Krause, pub- frankly publicly in front of the team and you can just tell i felt the tension super high at the end of this episode
1: mm-hmm. it was like almost awkward even though it had been edited and in interview style is still you feel the awkwardness and next. it's
0: 22 years in the past too yeah so that leads to the Dennis Rodman focused episode
1: which was my favorite episode
0: it's super interesting <laughs> uh if yeah. you this is for you Shane and the listeners if you have not watched there's our, a Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 where it's all about Rodman it's mm-hmm. super good
1: honestly I haven't seen it but it's on my list now after you told me yeah, about if it. you
0: liked this you will love that 30 for 30 I learned way mm-hmm. more about him from the 30 for 30 than from this. And That's I've rough. seen a lot of people commenting like, oh, I learned a lot about Dennis Rodman. And I'm like, you need to watch the 30 for 30. It's it mm-hmm. so much more in-depth because it's just about him, you know? So, here, here, here Dennis Rodman.
1: Uh, yeah, where do you even start? All
0: right, here's the deal. <laughs> there were times where I felt they needed to have subtitles for him because <laughs> his voice is so strange and it doesn't even i i definitely think this is me being a little judgmental here but i think his voice is probably affected by substances of some sort because if you listen to it nah bro he
1: said he's completely clean well (laughs) but if you or maybe it's just the lip ring makes it harder to (laughs) get words passed two he has two of them um oh yeah yeah wait is it yeah or he has uh, the earrings. No, no, he has two in the nose. Oh, he just has the he has one. Two in the nose. Yeah, he just has the one lip ring on the bottom lip. I think.
0: I think if you listen to him from earlier on, in like his playing time and stuff, it's way more. It's way clearer what he's saying. But that could also just be yeah. age. I don't know. But my first thought was, oh my goodness, they need to get <laughs> subtitles on this guy. It's um, <laughs> funny. And so this episode basically kind of chronicled. Throughout the Bulls' beginning of the season, they basically were eight and seven, and they mentioned at one mm-hmm. point the season prior the Bulls didn't lose their seventh game until the fifty-sixth game of the season, which is crazy. Huh. Yeah. And by contrast, now they've they're basically a five hundred team, and they're almost a quarter into the season. So mm. I can see why like the tensions were high, and if mm-hmm. you're in game fifteen, you're still going. like another 20 games without pippen still and it was clear they were missing him and so michael got very real again here and i love again just him shooting straight and he's just like he went to robin and said i need you to be more accountable and there was quotes from phil jackson basically saying robin seemed to be losing some of that interest in basketball and once scotty was gone though it gave dennis a i guess a greater purpose for the team and that he Mm -hmm. was Michael Jordan's number two. He was Michael Jordan's fellow, like, co-leader. And so because it gave him that greater purpose, he just, he basically went unleashed in the Bulls all of a sudden. Next thing you knew, I think they showed their record was like 18-9. and So they go from one game above Mm -hmm. 500 to nine games above 500, just helping them win every way you can. My favorite part of this whole episode, it's like a, it's like a, probably a 10-second segment, but there's a part about him training himself with rebounding yeah, and actually before i get cool. too much into that let me go let me get into his background so the episode talks okay, about okay. his background where he came from and first of all it's interesting how both dennis robin and Scottie pippen kind of came from nowhere so pippen went to the university of central arkansas and dennis robin went to the southeastern oklahoma state university prestigious yeah, yeah. and all i'll say and I know this was not so much in the episode as it was in the 30 for 30, but Rodman was in a family where his father was absent and all he had was his sisters. And in the 30 for 30 about Rodman, they actually talk a little bit about how some of the, I guess, feminist or gender bending tendencies that Rodman had might have Mm -hmm. come from only having women in his life.
1: Yeah. And he Mm -hmm. was a, he was a
0: very awkward individual. um, And so he was kind of bullied a lot as well. And so he mentioned in, in the last dance, how at one point his mom was like, you need to leave the house and he didn't really know what to do. And I thought, I just find it so fascinating how he was like, yeah, I was on this block and I see all these people every morning and they're dealing Coke or they're dealing drugs or whatever. And I don't know why I just never got into it. And I just went, went to the gym every morning and i was like, what? Like-
1: Did you believe him or no? Because I kind of was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I do, like, I, mean, I do believe him. I want to believe him because there's – I don't know. And this could have been be- at, like post-NBA because obviously there's a lot of stress and pressure with being in the NBA. But I know he's had DUIs and stuff since I, his career. I, I, told, so I, I 100%
0: know. believe him and I will get into I, – I will get more into that later about okay. w- why I believe him now. Why I believe that and not other things from him. So anyway, basically, Robin had the body type for basketball player. He, yeah, he had the physique, and so eventually he was recruited um, to Southeastern Oklahoma State University. Now I didn't look this up, but it'd be interesting to find out how old he was when he went, because he said he was out of the house, which means he was done with high school for like two years or something before he went to college. So it'd be interesting how mm. long he was at college before he got drafted. But he went on to get drafted by the Pistons. That's right. The Detroit yeah. Pistons. And as you yeah. listeners know, this podcast is about Detroit and Chicago sports.
1: Mm-hmm. So he's a perfect figure as far as being somebody we both are familiar with. Indeed. Even though he's before our time, yeah, right. a former great player for both teams.
0: He he goes to the Pistons, and that let, that let the documentary kind of stopped at that moment, talking about Rodman, and went on to talk about the Bulls at that time and the bad boys pistons so i'm gonna pause for a minute because i've been talking for a while and i need to drink some water and shane i want to (laughs) hear i know i know obviously this happened way before we were watching sports but what are your thoughts about the bad boys
1: i don't know how much i'll get into like specific things about them in this doc like not shaking hands and all that maybe we'll kind of save some of that but basically my view on them in general is they were the perfect villain for the in the nba and that's partly what I talked about missing the rivalries and for good rivalries like that, you need strong team personalities. You need a villain and they were the perfect, yeah, kind of enemy for Jordan and the bulls. And I mean, sure you can say one side was petty. The other one was more professional, like however you want to break it down. Um, there were things. And again, I'm not even biased really because it's way before my time. So I'm not a Pistons defender. On these teams you know but just i think the way i look at it is not this team was right and this team was wrong more so these teams perfectly complemented each other for this rivalry
0: yeah i I agree with you i really like the idea of them as the perfect villain isaiah thomas said it really well in there he basically said that we crashed the lakers and celtics party and we also essentially spoiled the emergence of Michael Jordan because basically Mm -hmm. the whole league was like, okay, Magic Johnson, all right, Michael Jordan's next. You know, the league's always kind of grooming the next star. So, like, you know, after Michael Jordan's Kobe, then LeBron, I don't know if Zion will be the next one or not, but they're always grooming the next person. And here come the Detroit Pistons kind of out of nowhere, (sighs) winning back-to-back championships with a really rough Frankly, mostly illegal style of play. And if you watch some of those clips, it's like, oh my
1: word. Yeah, there's no, we'll talk more about this later as far as what that would look like in today's NBA, but there's no, like, there's no comparison. There's no team that's done anything like this in recent (laughs) NBA. Well, I
0: don't think you could, yeah, we'll get into that. I don't think you could ever get away with it.
1: No. Like, you almost would, like, charge them with a crime. Yeah. You know, it's not even you're breaking the rules. It's just like, yeah, some, it was pretty crazy
0: so they they kind of introduced the bad boys and what they were all about because yeah they were the big villains of the nba and specifically to the bulls and then they get into doug collins so doug collins was michael jordan's second coach with the bulls i knew virtually nothing about him the only thing i knew about him was he's the he's the coach in the famous the shot versus the Cavs that like runs onto the court super excited but i didn't know anything about him um, so it was kind of interesting to hear a little bit about who he was and how his intensity for the game. To me, it was a hire that made total sense because he was he was young, and he was like super into the game. John Paxton shared in his interview that it would look like Doug Collins had played in the game because he was he had sweat through his shirt, his button down, his suit so much from being so intense in, yeah. into in the game. I thought that was really cool. And that would be something I would want in a coach, a coach that's like totally 100% invested. So that was cool. I don't really have much to say about Doug Collins other than it was interesting how when they asked him about Phil Jackson getting hired after him, how he said, I, I could see it coming or something. He said something like that. And yeah. they're all, and they're like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, I, I could just see it coming. There's clearly more to that story, but you're not airing it out on here. And basically the the main focus here, and they don't really get into this until the next episode, um, but I might as well just talk about it now, is mm-hmm. Doug Collins had kind of a different um, philosophy than Phil Jackson, and it wasn't even so much Phil Jackson as it was Tex Winter. So Tex Winter, mm-hmm. just real briefly, was this basically basketball guru, I guess, that Jerry Krause had hired, specifically offensive guru, and he installed and essentially... I don't know if he invented, but I at least perfected the triangle offense that's been used a lot since then. And Doug Collins was not really into the triangle offense. His strategy, which he shared after the Bulls, uh, a Bulls playoff victory, was he just said, Get the ball, Michael. Everybody get the out of the way.
1: That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of the best quotes in the whole series so far. So he had kind of some... Differing opinions there, but another note that was just interesting was I was I was listening to Six Seventy the score, and Dan McNeil, who is one of the afternoon hosts, he said that one of the things that was omitted from the documentary was that, and he 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 was very careful with his language, but he just said the Bulls had a lifestyle problem with Doug Collins, so because he was vague, I'm going to choose to also be vague, but I think. We can kind yep. of figure out what that means. We can kind of decipher what that means, and mm-hmm. uh, that would be something that would also be uh, very controversial in today's NBA, but more controversial in the opposite way—that he would have been fired for that lifestyle. In fact, the NBA's focus on diversity is so strong, it might have almost been something more encouraged as opposed to right. So anyway, um, moving on from there, they get see they get more into the kind of the bitterness—the the Bulls and the Pistons back and forth. I loved this part. They were just so. Michael Jordan was like, oh, I hated them. Yeah. I still hate them. And later on, it's either this episode or the next one, they show uh, Michael Jordan watching a, the interview with Isaiah Thomas. Talking
2: about the walk-off. Well, I know it's all bullshit. Whatever he says now, you know it wasn't his true actions then. You know, it's time enough to think about it. Or the reaction of the public that's kind of changed his perspective of it. Yeah, you can show me anything you want there's no way you can convince me he wouldn't ask he knew going into it he
1: was gonna like whatever he said oh yeah, yeah. like
0: this is nonsense and oh man and it's actually so interesting to me that he hates I, that isaiah thomas is someone he has a big problem with because isaiah thomas is like not the main one i think of when i think of the bad boys because he was from my understanding he wasn't really the one that was getting in all the fights and stuff
1: no he was almost like the only skill right player they had yeah right right. like Um, the finesse guy or whatever
0: so anyway it was just interesting to hear that and i'll get more into isaiah thomas in a little bit so the episode kind of jumps back to rodman they talk about his time with detroit and isaiah actually refers to rodman as like beautiful in the sense that he was so innocent like he and that this is part of why i think he was serious when he didn't do those drugs like he was so innocent he didn't really know any better he just kind of came to this league wanting to just play and this is where i can get into a little bit more about what i know from the rodman 30 for 30 so basically after the bulls beat the pistons in the playoffs which is what the next episode is about which we'll get into the pistons essentially decide to more or less, blow it up so they start trading away players and chuck daly the head coach on his own decides to resign and the In the 30 for 30, they really get into that. Rodman, up, like I mentioned, he didn't really have any stable community other than his mom and his sisters mm-hmm. as he went through his life. And the bad boys, Pistons, was the first real, real sense of community he had mm-hmm. in practically his whole life. And that he was super close with this group of people. And in the documentary, the 30 for 30, they kind of give this idea that Rodman almost had this expectation that they were always going to be together. They were always going to be this great team. Mm-hmm. And that he kind of forgot about the business side of the NBA. Yeah. So when all of a sudden, one year, all these people are gone, it really, really messed with him. Because all he's had in his life are people leaving.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: And so that leads to what is the saddest part in the 30 for 30 it's kind of brushed over a little bit in this episode or in this show. But Rodman um drove to the palace at Auburn Hills mm-hmm. um and he had a rifle with him yeah. in the car. And yeah, the they barely th-
1: touched on it, but
0: yeah. The thirty for thirty kind of talks about like he was he basically was wanting to do it or ready to do it. Hmm. And somehow by the grace of God he fell asleep. Yeah. Before he could even get to it. And so uh, they found him in the morning or when it, later that night or whatever asleep and gun in his hands and they were able to kind of save him from himself in that situation. Hmm. So it, they do mention that in this show, um, but basically that is the breaking point for Rodman that I guess you could call it a failed suicide attempt mm-hmm. paired with losing the only like belonging he ever had is kind of the breaking point. And not long after that he was traded from the Pistons to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And trading being traded to the Spurs into a new environment was very hard for him to accept. And again a lot I'm drawing a lot of this from the 30 for 30. Yeah. And that is when Rodman really became an eccentric person mm-hmm. with different hair colors, different styles, dating Madonna, all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little bit of my insight into Rodman. So if you want more, definitely watch the 30 for 30 about him.
1: Yeah, I'm planning to do that for sure.
0: So Scottie Pippen eventually returned, and they mentioned that when he returned, they kind of lost Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. Because his that belonging he had as Jordan's secondhand man was all of a sudden gone. Hmm. And so this is, I think, probably the funniest part of the whole the whole show so far. While Scotty
2: was out, Dennis was a model citizen to a point where it was driving him insane. (laughs) So, when Scotty came back, Dennis wanted to take a vacation. (laughs) I come to practice, Phil calls me and says, "Uh, Dennis wants to tell you something. When Dennis wants to tell me something, I know it's not something that I want to (laughs) hear. So Dennis says, I need a vacation. And I look at Phil, and say, Phil, what do you mean? Vacation? He says, he needs a vacation. He needs some time off to let loose. I say, look, Phil, let me tell you something, man. I not. Well, if anybody needs a, f- a vacation, I need a vacation. <laughs> we look at Dennis and Dennis, what, what are you going to do? He says, well, I need to go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you let this dude go to vacation, we're not going to see him. You let him go to Vegas, we're definitely not going to see him. So he looks at Dennis and says, Dennis, well, can your vacation be like 48 hours? And Dennis is like, I got no other choice. I take whatever you can give me. I take the 48 hours.
0: And so the episode ends with show. I love that they show Dennis Rodman getting in like this motorcycle in Vegas with this like big group, like almost like a big motorcycle group that's going driving off. Um, And then the episode ends with, Dennis Rodman saying the quote I went to effing Vegas and he says it as he's laughing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh I just, just love yeah. that so anyway do you have any I, I know you said you had thoughts about Rodman so do you want to interject here at yeah all? just
1: and you hit on a lot of this and I want to see the 30 for 30 and just learn more about um yeah kind of maybe some of the rationale behind some of what he did just he's got to be one of the most interesting personalities in NBA history. Um Just the fact how for sure. sports yeah, history, just how one dimensional he was, but still dominant as a player Um looking at, which what the part was really cool time at him training for rebounds. Um, oh yeah. yeah right. I don't think, and I talked to you about this comparison too, but like who, who would there be who was even close to what he was as a player? The closest I could think of is like maybe Draymond green, Like a player who, um, not a superstar by themselves, not a primary scorer, but when you pair them with two other scoring threats and give them a specific role and just tell them be really good at these things and get in the heads of your opponents. Yeah. Draymond Green is like the the one comparison I could think of where, but even that, just the, how dominant Rodman was as a rebounder. I don't think you're going to see many players like him, probably any more players like him in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and then just how after the NBA, the stuff with him and his relationship with Kim Jong-un, possibly Classic. the late Kim Jong-un, depending <laughs> on news reports coming out right now, um, <laughs> yeah. and just him saying, like, oh, he's just a misunderstood guy. I know there's a clip of him singing happy birthday to him. Just some of the stuff like this. It's like you can't create a fictional character who's crazier than Dennis Rodman. Um, yep. And yep. as a fan... Like, obviously, somebody who disagrees with a lot of his decisions he made, and just, I still, I, I want to say I still respect how weird he was, but I don't know if respect's the right word. I just, I think he was a great character for sports.
0: So, here here's a few things I'll say. One, thank you for bringing up the rebounding thing again. I meant to yeah. get back into that. There's a clip, maybe if we can find it, we'll post it on our social mm-hmm. media, of him describing, like, how he trained for Reacting to different rebounds.
2: I just practice a lot about the angle of the ball and the trajectory of it. You got a Larry Bird, it's gonna spin. You got a, a Magic and maybe spin. When Michael shoot over here, I position myself right there. Now I hit the rim. It's boom, uh, click and go back this way. Boom here, here, click and go that way. Boom that way, click here and go back this way. So basically, I just start learning how to put myself in a position to get the ball.
0: That is yeah. insane. When have you ever heard? someone talk about that in the NBA they had uh they have this like trivia they're putting up every now and then during these episodes and the one piece of trivia was that Rodman had seven games in his career where he had 20 rebounds and zero points that's just insane like 20 rebounds is crazy at all and then zero points is the other end of crazy
1: (laughs) I wonder if he was even taking shots yeah I don't I mean a lot of
0: a lot, when you think of highlights of Dennis Rodman, really, there's none of him scoring. They're all yeah. diving into the crowd to save the ball, you know, fighting, yeah, fight, yeah, <laughs> or like really hard, hard nosed defense, or yep, you know. The other thing I loved watching him rebound because here's the thing,
1: yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say too on that that I forgot. Yeah. His
0: rebounding is so different because here's the deal: he's six yeah. eight, and he's fighting against these seven foot, seven plus footers. And what his method was like a lot of people make fun of people when they're kind of like, you know, kind of volleying the
1: basketball around tapping the ball up and down in the area. But that was like his game. And
0: for him, it was almost like it doesn't matter how pretty it looks. The what matters is me getting the ball.
1: Yeah. Does he and his team end up with the ball? And like you said, it's it looks weird because I was like, is that just him or is that the way people used to rebound? Because you think of like a dominant rebounder going up with two hands and just snatching down a rebound. Yep. But yeah, he's jumping and he taps the ball to himself in the air, like yeah, he's like doing a volleyball, like batting it in the air, like he's trying to keep a balloon off the floor, and he's <laughs> yeah. doing that like six, seven, eight times, just tapping it to himself yep. away from from the opposing team, and I'm just like. But it's controlled, and he's trying to do that. Yeah. Um, it but it looks cool. like he's trying to get control of the ball, but the whole time he's guiding it. And It's just yeah, such a unique style, too. Not even just off-the-floor unique, but his game was just so weird but effective.
0: It, yeah. Um, and I kind of made note of this in the next episode, but you, you really see with Dennis Rodman that the conundrum there was – how do you balance this totally crazy personality that's frankly impossible to control or manage mm-hmm. how do you how do you deal with that while also dealing with this guy that is absolutely brilliant when it comes to overall basketball i q yeah like the fact that he is able to know what types of what type of spin the ball will have based on the type of shooter that's shooting it that is remarkable that is just <sighs> That blows my mind just thinking about it. Anyway, that kind of leads into the next episode, so let's jump there and hopefully we can kind of get through this quickly.
1: Yeah, there's just so much to talk about. Yeah, it's hard to keep on. This episode
0: yeah. started so great. Um, yeah, it started with like some kind of party music, and it just showed like Dennis Rodman on on vacation, approved or or permit permitted by the Bulls for 24 hours, and then it showed like the clock ticking, and then all of a sudden it switched to without permission or unpermitted or something and it showed like 80 some hours and so michael's saying we won't see him was true
1: and the timer's just rolling for how long he's been gone yeah
0: and i love That's how great. michael went to get him now real quick note apparently the way this was edited it made it kind of feel like he went to vegas to get him um but on the i was listening to the radio today and they were pointing out that he they know that story from the history and that he actually It was just Dennis Rodman's Chicago apartment that he went to get him at. Mm -hmm. So uh, they said that was kind of selective editing in there. Um, But it makes sense. Like, Why would the team fly Michael Jordan to Vegas just to get Dennis Rodman? (laughs) It's pretty stupid to think about. But anyway, I love this part, too, how Michael Jordan was like, I'm not going to say what was in his bed or where it was, blah, blah, blah. And -hmm. then they cut to Carmen Electra, who was partying with him, and she was like, there's a knock on the door, it's Michael Jordan, and I hit. <laughs> yeah. And Michael's like, come on, we got to get to practice. Oh, I loved that. And yeah. I also had no idea that he dated and actually married Carmen Electra at one point. Not Michael. I knew, yeah, I didn't
1: it. know, yeah, right. I didn't know he had married her. Yeah, that was yeah, interesting.
0: And so then, right after that, you see Dennis Rodman showing up to practice in pajamas, which is a- <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I just had to stop here and say, I just love the leadership of michael jordan like Mm. i don't feel like you see that like we hear about that outside of his leadership on the court Mm. but like to think that i mean obviously he wants it for the team but i mean there's probably also an element of him caring about dennis rodman and like we need to get him back and to think that someone who's so high profile who's willing to take the time out to go say dude let's go that's just super cool
1: Yeah, because you would think, especially now, it'd be his agent or somebody, you know, but to be the superstar on his team doing that, yeah.
0: Or it'd be like a front office person.
1: Right, or a phone call or something, yeah.
0: Dennis Rodman kind of goes on to talk about how Phil Jackson really accepted who he was, and Phil Jackson was the perfect match for Rodman, they talk about. And they go on and talk about um, Phil Jackson's background and how Phil Jackson was kind of this, like, this kind of like scrawny, lanky um, power forward center for the New York Knicks and how they showed clips and saying he was very much like Rodman in the sense that he had a big temper. He really fought for the ball and his game was rebounding defense similar to Rodman. And so they were kind of suggesting in a way that Phil Jackson understood what Rodman was like. I I think probably not exactly, but... (laughs) I think right. Who could? But yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. he handled it probably the best way you, he could, um, and so then they kind of went into the background about Phil Jackson. and grew up in Montana, which is—I don't know if you know anything about that, Shane. Yeah, I could really. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I wasn't
1: there <laughs> long, but yeah.
0: And then this is super interesting. He coached in Puerto Rico. What?
1: Yeah, I had never heard of this, of and what? the stories from that was crazy.
0: Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so the this this part about him coaching in Puerto Rico, Phil Jackson and this guy who wrote a book with him talk about his time in Puerto Rico. Phil Jackson said that down there, fans are totally different and that if you, like, beat or lost a game, as you'd be walking to your car, people would be throwing rocks at you or starting fires.
1: Like Yeah, starting fires. <laughs> throwing what rocks at you. <laughs> Not, like, booing you, like...
0: Yeah. And then he said and then his like co-writer of this book said that um it was there was also a thing going on and this is I hope they they should adopt this in the modern NBA but where <laughs> the opposing t- the, the team that lost would take a would kill a chicken and pour the blood of the chicken over the opposing team's bench.
1: I <laughs> Yeah, that's some real voodoo stuff. I just yeah,
0: yeah for real. It really is. Yeah. And then this is my favorite part. He mentioned that a mayor of one of the towns that he was <laughs> coaching for yeah, yeah. shot a referee
1: <laughs> because they he said he said it so casually too. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because of a call he shot <laughs> the mayor. Like
0: fortunately, <laughs> like fortunately the referee, they said he hit him in the leg and they didn't say anything else, so I'm assuming he was fine, but <laughs> uh, And then they said, and the mayor's consequence was he wasn't allowed to attend any more games that season. That season. Yeah. yeah.
1: People get lifetime bans now for just going on the court. This guy shoots a referee, and he just gets banned for the the rest of that season. Oh, my word. It's insane. And you know, as the mayor, he's probably like, on behalf of the town, I'm going (laughs) to shoot this referee. Right. Yeah. Just crazy. That was
0: insane. I had no idea about all of that. It's hilarious. Um, I knew he had, like, started in, like, more of, like minor basketball leagues or whatever but I had no idea about Puerto Rico so that blew my mind
1: Yeah, I Um, wonder if that helped him manage personalities in the future teams and yeah kind of deal with some of the crazy
0: (laughs) so then he ended up coaching under Stan Albach who was the coach before Doug Collins and I already talked about Doug Collins and the Tex Winter and the triangle offense and kind of the differing philosophies between Collins and Jackson and uh really the significance about Phil Jackson was that by adopting the triangle offense he takes a lot of that extra load off of Michael Jordan. And I think yeah. it could very well be argued that Phil Jackson extended the career of Michael Jordan by doing that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz if
0: Jordan kept going as the only piece really, I think that would have he his body just deteriorates quicker and yeah, he might maybe he would have scored more points in his career, but you're probably not talking about 6 championships.
1: Yeah, you're probably, like you said, you might be trading championships for points. Right. And I think longevity is huge because he had already had injury history. And if you look at previous philosophies with how he was managed, I yep. think that, and it almost makes him, gives him a chance to prove his greatness. Not just by scoring and carrying a team, but by the way he leads a team, delegates and distributes, um, kind of improves the guys around him too which I don't, again, like you had said with LeBron, I don't take anything away from a guy because of that. Yep. If anything, that's just another aspect of being one of the greatest. Yep.
0: Um, so then the last section of this episode basically focused on overcoming the bad boys' Pistons. They were like the big hurdle. Uh, and so for the Bulls, in the 1990 Eastern Conference Finals, they pushed the Pistons to Game 7. This was their first year with Phil Jackson, I think it was. And they lose and they lose primarily because scotty pippen had this like horrible migraine and he couldn't he was like seeing double he couldn't see straight and obviously like mm-hmm. my at first when he, they said it was the migraine game i was like okay scotty mj had the flu game like come on dude but yeah. i mean if you can't see like you can't <laughs> I, you can't play if you can't see like that doesn't help anything so but the pistons went on to win that game and they made a point to point out that Michael Jordan and the Bulls stayed on the floor to congratulate the Pistons on advancing. And that's yeah. an important detail for what we're going to get into next. Mm-hmm. So, Michael Jordan, basically totally pissed off and driven by losing to the Pistons, he decides to start training in the offseason. And he said, in the which
1: was like a rocky training montage. Like, yeah. I'm going to have to be better to beat the bad guy, you know? Exactly. Yeah.
0: And he was like, I like, I want to administer the pain, which is yeah. a cool thing to hear him say. And again, you see MJ as a leader, and it's because of him doing off-season training that a lot of the other teammates did off-season training. Yep. And so that brings you to the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals, and the Bulls, again, are meeting the Pistons. And Shane, I just wish we were both alive and aware and having this podcast somehow in 1991 for all of this, because... Man, we would have had such a great great banter going back and forth.
1: The only thing that even comes close in our lifetime is the Western Conference Finals with uh, Wings and Hawks, but this would have been a whole different Oh Well, this
0: was multiple years in a row, meeting in the playoffs. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because
1: right now we don't really have a huge rivalry between our teams. I mean, the closest is Lions-Bears, obviously, still being a division rival, but nothing where the stakes are this high and... Yeah, winner of this is on their way to the championship. Yeah. yeah it's, i agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh they they talk about this moment where Dennis Rodman, who at that time was playing for the Pistons, basically shoves Scotty Pippen to the ground. And Scotty Pippen basically he took his time to get up. He was clear he was hurt and like, you know, in some way. He took his time to get up but did not appear phased at all. He kept a straight face. And John Sally of the Pistons, he basically he was interviewed and he said at that moment, we knew we were done because
1: the, which was crazy. Their whole
0: tactic of essentially driving fear and pain into their opponents mm-hmm. is now not effective because they're not afraid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's kind of like standing up to the bully at school. You know, mm-hmm. once you stand up to them and they're they realize you're not afraid, they don't have any power over you. Yeah. And so the Bulls went on to blow out the Pistons and advance to the finals that year. Now, I mentioned MJ staying on the floor the year before to congratulate the Pistons. Well, the Pistons left the game. They left Mm -hmm. the floor. They went into the locker room with just under eight seconds left. And that was another thing that just pissed Michael off because he was like, I stayed on the floor to congratulate you guys. Like, you need to have some respect for the game. And it was interesting because Isaiah Thomas was like, look, the Celtics did it to us too earlier on in the – you know, in the late '80s, when we kind of took over as the main team from the East, and it's like mm-hmm. I get that, but that does, yeah. that doesn't mean it's right, you know? Right, right. Um. Anyway, that whole topic has kind of come up again, and Bill yeah. Bill and Beer was interviewed, and he just said, "Why would I regret it now today? I don't care what the media says about me. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, especially back then." I was winning basketball games and winning championships, and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team, and we did. At the end of the day, we're called world champions.
1: And honestly, like looking at this, rather than picking a side, I agree with both. You know, as a Pistons, like uh, as a Bulls fan, or as like Jordan and the Bulls, yeah, you were the bigger person in this. Like you said, you, you're, and a lot of this is his personality, but he's kind of a sportsman. Uh, Um, you know, kind of a, you know, just respect for the game, kind of the way it should be played kind of thing. And so the fact that he congratulated the Pistons knew what he needed to do to be better and came back and beat them. Great story. Great leader. That's what the greatest does. And you respect the way he approached that Pistons. You own your role as the villain and you look back on it and you take pride in the fact that Jordan the greatest of all time still hates you you know <laughs> yep. that just talks about how well you played your role yep. as the villain so pistons leaving the floor i think jordan has every right to hate them for it and be upset and they have every right to not care and Agreed. own that and it's it works to accept both because it's the perfect com like it's the perfect compliment to each other Yep, i agree so I just yeah I love it I don't have to I I don't feel pressure to pick a side which one I'm okay with I just love the whole thing
0: <laughs> oh yeah the drama is awesome so you just see Michael Jordan caring a lot about sportsmanship which I feel like mm-hmm. is something you don't always see from players today which is pretty cool um, mm-hmm. he like made his whole separate statement about like sportsmanship is important to me and that's just cool to hear
1: and that's why not only is he the greatest ever um but he's also probably the greatest role model oh yeah for like on the court how you should be as a leader um if you're wanting your kid to watch somebody yeah that's an example
0: so then they kind of brush over all the 1991 nba finals and i think it's because the bulls won that series four to one um but they talk about how magic johnson was really excited to play the bulls to play against michael jordan because he had You know, been able to play Larry Bird. And so to finally be able to play Michael Jordan, it was just exciting for him. And, you know, every episode has to end with a cliffhanger. Uh, And so they end with comments that Jerry Krause made in 1997 while the team was on the road in Utah. And Jerry Krause basically said, if Michael Jordan wants to play for a different coach, or if Michael Jordan is willing to play for a different coach, we'll gladly take him. But if he's not, then he's going to need to go, essentially is what he said. And that raised a bunch of eyebrows in the media. Michael Jordan's like, I'm not playing with anybody but Phil Jackson. Just very... Dramatic. Yes, a very dramatic way to end it. I tend to think that it was probably misinterpreted. Again, I'm giving Mm. Jerry Krause some more leash here than what I have before. I feel like the way it's worded, if you watch the documentary, it doesn't match kind of the reaction he was getting. Now, mm. in today's NBA, I think he would get that reaction um, because everybody seems to veer towards the negative. But I think he I think he genuinely was saying, like, we want Michael, but we need a different coach. And if he doesn't want to play for that coach, then he's going to have to go elsewhere. I don't think he was saying it, like, threatening or anything.
1: Yeah, just talking about the future of the team. Yeah, he's you know.
0: just saying it matter-of-factly. That's my opinion. But yeah, they frame it almost more as, like, a threat at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. so that's where we are now by the time this is released there'll be two more episodes and we'll have more reviews as this comes out so shane let's go through these real briefly but is there anything you are hoping to see going forward
1: uh just i guess i don't know if i really my, one of my favorite parts so far has been the the bulls pistons rivalry i don't know if i would say i want to see more of it moving forward because we're kind of passing that as far as the timeline um and with that I just want to go watch the Bolt or the Bad Boys thirty for thirty.
0: That one's really good too.
1: Yeah, so what I want to see going forward, just more I know, like you said, the the Jordan episode, he's been throughout the whole thing, obviously, but the episode that was kind of dedicated to him, the first one was just kind of laying the groundwork. I really want to see a focus back on him again now that we've looked at some of these other players and the coach and just kind of see more just of the interviews from him and his thoughts throughout the whole thing, especially as we get towards Um, I don't know. As we look back, maybe he'll talk more about the death of his dad and um, controversy. I just love that conspiracy theory and kind of debating that. I I doubt they're going to get much into that. Oh, Um, I think the opposite. You think? Okay. Because I wasn't sure how much he's like Jordan's deciding what they talk about or, you know.
0: Uh, Okay. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Jordan is pretty much in control of this and there are six Mm -hmm. episodes left. Yeah. I think they I think they will talk about it extensively. That and the hiatus in awesome. baseball, talking about it as a conspiracy or that it was tied to gambling, I don't think they'll talk about it. Okay. Um, well, even
1: if he doesn't kind of dispel that view or talk about that, uh-huh. if he at least gives his like alternate reason for it, I'd love to hear that yeah. and then kind of compare what he says to the theory again actually, after hearing it from him yep. and see kind of what, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to the most, I guess.
0: Yeah, that that you pretty much stole mine. That's kind of what I'm wanting. Okay. To, uh, that that whole hiatus is the I guess the biggest question mark for me in his uh, his whole tenure, and so I, I want to hear more about that. I want to hear I want to hear a little bit more justification for Jerry Krause because um, I do mm-hmm. think that he deserves more praise than he's been getting. So I I'm just excited. I hope that we see some things from every finals. I I don't want to just you know skip all the way to ninety seven ninety eight and so I'm actually really appreciative that they're kind of jumping around a lot. But yeah, I want I want to see more because I know they play. I think the ninety two season is when they beat the Blazers, and the ninety three season they beat the Suns. Yeah. And then is Jordan's hiatus after that, and then they play the Sonics and then the Jazz back to back. So I I kind of hope they show us clips from each of those and kind of get into each of those. Um, but yeah I. I Oh, and then the other thing I want to see at the end is I want to see at the very end, I I hope they do kind of like where everyone is now and also like where Mm -hmm. they went after that season. So like,
1: you know, like the wizards for Jordan and yeah, yeah.
0: like Scotty went to the the trailblazers and Rodman Mm -hmm. went to the Lakers. I think like just, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. What Um, did Phil
1: Jackson do? I don't even know what he did after. He
0: took like a year or two off before being hired by the Lakers.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I couldn't remember if he went straight there or not, so I didn't think so. Yeah.
0: I mean, he was there for their first one, and wasn't that 2000? So I think he probably took 1999 off and then was there in 2000. Uh, I think we need to skip the question about the modern NBA. We kind of talked about it as we went through. Um, Yeah,
1: basically the answer is there's no way this would happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll get more specific at a different time. Um, The last thing I just want to bring up, which is just fascinating – is um, there's a Jerry Krause came out uh, or he recorded a memoir that his family has given approval to slowly be released. And so it's unclear if it's getting released as a full book or if they're just releasing excerpts at a time. But the first one, the first segment was released. The first excerpt was released. And I just thought I'd read it real quick because it's not long mm-hmm. and it's interesting. So first of all, it was interesting. He was a... Uh, he was a writer, he was interested, it, he was very fascinated by the news, so he like did a lot of journalistic writing, so his writing isn't half bad in this. So this sounds a lot like an introduction, so let me just read this, and then we can move mm-hmm. on to our next thing. So this is from Jerry Cross's memoir, which is entitled To Set the Record Straight, which is mm. a very interesting title, I might yeah. have... Doing my own writing, not in the words of another writer, is unlike any book that any sports executive has ever done. It also gives me an opportunity to tell a story that will not include things that I believe should stay behind locker room doors. Secondly, so much has been written about me that's untrue and in many cases clouded at best. It's a chance to tell my life story and the story of, if not the greatest sports team in American history... A team that stayed excellent over an eight-year span and did what none of its predecessors on the totem pole of greatness had to face. Free agency and its star walking out in the middle of a career to go play another sport for two years. It's a chance for the kid who's not a very good player and wants to stay in the game to read it and say, maybe as improbable as what I'm reading happened, I can do it too. One of my loves in past years was breaking in young scouts and executives in both bas- baseball and basketball, of watching them grow just like players that sc- uh, just like players that a scout signs, of seeing them to turn into quality pros. Maybe somewhere along the way, you're about to read will touch some kid like I was touched. Another reason for why now is that enough time has expired from my leaving pro basketball and its environs to fully realize and comprehend what we were able to accomplish. While you're winning and then trying to win again, time goes at the speed of light. You don't have time to sit back and break it down or for more than a few minutes enjoy it. You're always concerned with the next season and the next game and winning again. Your life, or mine did, spins like a top and you can't jump off for a while and stop to see where you've been. The reason this book took shape over a 50-year period where the players and scouts and general managers and owners I've known and worked with over these years, as much as this is my story and the story of a basketball dynasty, it's their story. So thank you to them. And that's it. That's the excerpt. So Man, that's interesting.
1: Especially with him after he's passed. Oh, yeah. To read that in light of his death. Yeah, yep. that's interesting. And they're
0: planning on releasing an excerpt every Monday, apparently. Wow. So, I don't know how if they're just doing that through the end of the last dance or what. Um, it mm-hmm. feels a little bit like the family trying to fire back, saying, you know, first of all, this is called to set the record straight. You're releasing yep. these on Sunday. We're going to release these on Monday.
1: <laughs> right. I know, yeah. But, uh,
0: <laughs> anyway, I-, I want him to have a little bit of justice because he seems to be treated a little unfairly.
1: So Yeah, you got to feel for him a little bit, you know, especially yeah. watching Pippin just verbally abuse him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I'm... Uh, I'm looking forward to reading more of those. Speaking of setting the record straight, want to play 20 questions? Boy, do I! All right, 20 yes or no questions. Uh, as always, this is going to be covering some, it could be a player, it could be um, it could be a topic, it could be a, an item, person, place, or thing. That is related to sports. All right, Shane has not been doing well so far. So let's see if he does any better today.
1: Go, some ground to make up. go whenever you are ready. All right, Kyle, I am ready. Let's do this. Question number one, is this a person? It is. Okay. I actually had a feeling this week wasn't gonna be you sound and I was
0: you sound intense. Like you're like like you planned out for this I am locked in okay. right
1: now. All right. I need to get this I'm trying to get this within like fifteen <laughs> picks. So all right. Is a person did they play a sport that requires cleats? Yes. Okay. Did they play for one of our two NFL teams? No. Okay. Is this player retired? No. Okay. So question number four, not retired. All right. I have a guess. No. <laughs> um, Will this player be a hall of famer? Or, or if it's not clear, just say like uncertain or something, I guess.
0: I'm just going to say no.
1: Okay. Question number six. Is this a major league baseball player? It is. Okay.
0: I'm turning off my video so you can't read anything based on my
1: face. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know if you were looking at that or not. I wasn't even, but then that (laughs) would have been a good idea. Okay. So, MLB player, not retired. Probably, as far as you know, not going to be a Hall of Famer. All right, did this player play for either the Cubs or the Tigers? Yes. Was this player a pitcher? No. So, that was question eight, not a pitcher. Question nine: Was this a Tigers player, Detroit Tigers player? Yes. Okay, Detroit Tiger. Man, I'm focused. I'm I closing in. I tell.
0: Did you take an extra dose of Adderall <laughs> before this,
1: this? I just downed a pre-workout <laughs> that I haven't used. I haven't used in several months because I haven't been to the gym. So I am all hopped up. <laughs> my hands are shaky and my vision's blurred, but I'm getting close. Palms are right. sweaty. <laughs> Knees weak. Arms are heavy. <laughs> All right. Um, don't question don't number sue us, <laughs> Eminem. Right. Or do. That'd be good, <laughs> good publicity. Um, what number are we Tiger? on? This will be guest number 10. Okay. So kind of a quick recap since I've just been flying through this. They're not retired. Probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. They are not a pitcher, and they're a Detroit Tiger. Um, they played for the Tigers at one point. Uh, does this player still play for the Detroit Tigers? No so not current tiger does this cur- does this player currently play in the NL division yes so currently a- NL has this player won a world series
0: no not one world series
1: all right question 13 uh t- 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 former tiger Currently in the NL. It's not one of Worlds here. Is this player over the age of 30? 30, 30 or older? No. So not 30. 30 for 30. <laughs> yeah. Alright, question 14. Interesting. 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 Is this player an infielder? No. So it's not an infielder, not a pitcher, former Tiger that plays in the NL. That has not won a World Series. Mm. This is tough. All right, number 15.
0: I just caught a gnat with my bare hands. I'm pretty proud of that.
1: Good job. <laughs> um, Was this player playing for the Tigers... In
0: 2005.
1: No. I feel like that's too early.
0: Also, I feel like I'm hearing clicks over there.
1: Oh, it's my pen. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nervous clicking. (laughs) So not Tiger in 2005. Yeah, I feel like that was way too early. (sighs) Okay. Question 16. Not an infielder, but they're an active player in the NL. I think I might know who this is. Okay. What question number is this? Number 16. Okay. I really think I'm going to guess this. Okay. Is this Ioannis Cespedes?
0: (gasps) No. (laughs) Okay. Not. I didn't realize he played for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, for a couple years. (laughs) Okay. Question 17. Oh, man. I feel like I'm getting close, but I'm running out of guesses. Ioannis (laughs) Cespedes. Has this player played for more than two teams? No. Play for two.
0: Writing an essay there? Yeah. (laughs)
1: All right, number 18. So they played for the Tigers first. Now they play in the NL. I believe they're an out Well, they're not an infielder or a pitcher. So I'm assuming an outfielder. Unless they're a DH or something. But if they're currently in the NL. NL. (sighs) I got to be
0: honest. I'm kind of rooting for you because I did take a big lead after (laughs) the last two.
1: Thanks. I don't know if I should be thankful or insulted. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, played on only two teams. Not a Tiger in 2005. Has this player ever. He uh, said not a Hall of Famer. Has this player ever won an MVP? No. I figured not, but I. Yeah, that was kind of stupid. Never won MVP. So we're on 19. Yeah, this is question 19. Was this player still on the Tigers roster in 2015? Yes. Okay. Tigers roster 2015. This is number 20. I got to at least break even. <laughs> uh, <sighs> crap. 2015 Tigers that now plays in the... NL I just keep thinking outfielders I hope I'm not like putting myself in too small a box Uh, (sighs) currently NL it's not won a World Series
0: can I would you like me to clarify something that I don't know if this would really be a hint or not but it is technically okay okay Um, this player no longer plays infield so like
1: oh so when i asked not infielders uh
0: i was currently not thinking yeah okay yeah so has it, okay. played infield but currently okay. plays outfield okay cool all right oh <laughs> did that give you what you needed
1: yeah i know who this is um Let me just double check and make sure I don't waste a guess. Okay. This is the S twenty, so I'll be breaking even. Um, Okay. So I think what got me is when I said played for Cubs Tigers, I assumed Tigers meant they only played for the Tigers. Mm. Um. So if this is somebody who's played for both, let me see. Why am I blanking on the name? I know exactly who this is.
0: Uh. Oh no.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Uh, let me just think for a second oh no wait let me just think <laughs> through the names oh i can't get a negative point just i can't think of his name i don't even need to guess anything else i just can't think of his name oh boy uh crap i guess like to start with a C. I keep thinking Cespedus just because i wrote it down here let me cross that out um why am i blanking on his name we've just talked about him recently if it's who i'm thinking of I feel like his name starts with a C, though. I can't think of it. This is so bad. I know exactly who... This isn't a question, but if it's the person I'm thinking of, he played third base for the Tigers. I'm just thinking out loud. Currently plays, I believe, right field for the Cubs, or had played right field for the Cubs. And his name is... Uh... Well, this is embarrassing. Um...
0: I don't. I don't know how to help you right now. It starts with a C. Oh, okay. K. Okay.
1: Oh, uh, Casti. Nick Castellanos. Yes, Nick, is Nick yes, Castellanos. It is Nicholas Castellanos. Holy crap! That was <laughs> almost a disaster.
0: <laughs> but hey, okay. This is the first time you you got it.
1: I did. So here, let me see. Let me go run through these.
0: So again, I was honestly trying to be a little tricky this time with doing, <laughs> playing for both of our teams.
1: Yeah, that was good. Cause then I was thinking, yeah,
0: cause you didn't nice. you didn't ask if you didn't ask if they played for both of our teams, right? You just asked. No, I
1: just said, have they played for? Uh, you play you asked if they have I played for put, either,
0: and then you asked if they played for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, cause I even put played for Cubs slash Tigers on my notes for number seven, and then number nine, I asked, did they play for the Tigers, which they did, so that was number nine. Okay, good. That was good. So yeah, um, run through again. It was a person. They do wear cleats. I canceled out Lions and Bears right away. They're active. Probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, which
0: he probably won't.
1: No, yeah. Uh, he's not on pace to be unless something changes. Um, MLB player for the Cubs or the Tigers, which it was both. <laughs> not a pitcher. Detroit Tiger. Not currently Tiger. Currently AL or NL. Hasn't won a World Series, which is unfortunate. I'd like to see him win one. Yeah. Um. And then I kind of talked about dates as far as when oh, he was a tiger. One
0: other thing that was tricky was you asked if he's played for more than two teams, and the ans- yeah. the answer is hasn't played, but he signed with right. the Reds,
1: but hasn't played anything yeah. with them yet. So, so
0: he's so, currently on the uh, Reds, but he hasn't been he hasn't played yet.
1: I couldn't remember who he was signed by because I knew that the Cubs weren't going to keep him. But at last time we had yeah the Reds he's played was for a second team um Okay, um, never won MVP. He was on the roster in 2015. Nick Castellanos. That was a good one. Yeah, well, Man, good that was... job.
0: I'm glad you got it. It's time for cap or no cap. In this segment, Shane and I will take turns describing the hat or logo of a minor or independent league or international baseball team from around the world. Shane and I will keep tally over a 10-episode period. Loser faces a punishment to be determined by the winner and the listeners. So just again to clarify, cap meaning that you are lying, no cap meaning that you are telling the truth. So essentially a true or false type of game. All right. So Shane, you are up first.
1: All right. And currently, so guessing, currently right?
0: Shane is leading in this two to one.
1: Yep, two to one. So, all right, Kyle, here's the cap I'm describing. So this cap is gold in color, not yellow, um, but like the color of actual gold, like a gold nugget. Uh, it's kind of a chrome metallic looking color, I guess, but it's obviously not a real metal helmet like a NFL one would be. So it looks weird that it's trying to be like metallic. The logo on the front is a prospector and he has a pick in one hand and a, like a shovel or a spade. in the next one, he's wearing a blue plaid shirt and a red baseball cap. And honestly, there's not much else going on on this cap. The prospector, he's not even really making a facial expression. I've talked a lot about my last logos, weird facial expressions. This guy just seems kind of bored to be on this hat, honestly. Um, and he's barefoot for some reason, which seems like a huge safety violation for someone who works in his field. Kyle, cap or no cap?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have me nervous because you got me. Uh, 20 questions is going to be the bane of your existence and cap or no cap is going to be the bane I know, of mine. It's
1: funny. Yeah. 20 questions is really hard for me for some reason, but
0: yeah. Um, see... Uh, your description of the hat seems so specific, but I'm going to go with cap.
1: Meaning this is fake? Yes. You are correct. Oh, phew. <laughs> oh. So you've got two points. I completely made that up. <laughs> I I'm- was so. Con-
0: okay, because <laughs> the prospector thing sounded legit to pair with a gold hat. Yep. Like and, a Nuggets yeah. theme or something. And, yeah. But the gold, I was like. Would they? Because I'm picturing like a Notre Dame helmet, and I'm like, "Yeah, how would that work on a baseball hat?" That was like the main thing that hung (laughs) me up.
1: Nice, well done. So you've got two, I've got two, and then now I'm guessing to see if I can get my lead. Oh boy,
0: hold on a second. This logo that I'm describing to you is one of the worst copy paste jobs I've seen since reading my high school students' persuasive research essays. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) The primary color here is. It's like kind of a weird shade of blue, I guess. It's like not quite royal blue, but not quite like sky blue. It's like a middle, middle blue, if you can picture mm-hmm. that. Okay. Um, there's a big circle that kind of goes around this logo. So it's like a logo inside of a circle, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. the circle is the color of that blue. And. The middle of this logo is a humanoid lion beast crossover that would make the original designer of the Egyptian Sphinx proud. (laughs) So this humanoid lion is wearing a blue baseball cap matching the same shade of blue that I already have talked about that's also in the circle. And Mm -hmm. it has ears that are the color of human flesh, but the shape of a lion's. And it has a yellow mane with piercing blue eyes. Like Rolf, the Austrian-turned-Nazi from The Sound of Music. You know, the one that was yeah. 17 going on 18. <laughs> so, Good this humanoid lion... Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> uh, this, human, this weird humanoid lion beast thing is holding a baseball bat, resting on its shoulder in its four-fingered right hand, Then its four-fingered left hand is outstretched, holding up two fingers, as if to say, I
1: am not a crook.
0: (laughs) So, Shane, cap or no cap?
1: Gut reaction, and I'm just going to go with it. Cap. You made that up.
0: It is real. Oh, no. I'm glad I brought it back to a tie. Okay. Before (laughs) I show you. Okay. Okay this is a korean baseball team it is the huh. samsung lions okay and i'm gonna give give you this picture and remember how remember how i said that it's the worst copy and paste job i've ever seen yeah well let me just say that blue i was trying to describe almost looks like a honolulu blue all right huh. so now watch for this picture relevant
1: okay wow so not so much that's like a knockoff even the font kind of looks the same on his jersey that's
0: my point is the font so like the image itself is nothing to do with the detroit lions but the lions like font and everything looks very similar
1: that's funny samsung lions that's when i saw that when
0: i saw that i was like i have to do this
1: his face looks like... Yeah, it's like a weird cartoon.
0: It's anime. I, I don't know what... So
1: like an anime thing I wanted to yeah.
0: say anime, but I was afraid it was going to give it away.
1: Yeah. Because, yeah, I, was, I guess I wasn't thinking, like, foreign, international or whatever. I was thinking, like, mostly minor league. So that might have given it away because I know they might use more, like, I don't know. That's fine. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a weird...
1: Samsung Lions. Lion's. Yeah, that's lion. weird. Yeah, And then I kind of thought it was fake because you said, like the neat or you said like the the blue font and the blue circle and the blue hat. I was like, how would these all fit together? It's <laughs> all the same colors. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so this that's was funny. a logo,
0: not a cap. So but <laughs> nice. we said but that's within play. That's within our
1: Yeah, yeah. Any play. logos are yeah, yeah. So. Yep, because like most of the logos I found weren't directly yeah. from a cap. It was just the team logo.
0: I'm just happy that I fooled you because I haven't. That was, that was the first time yeah. I fooled you.
1: So, <laughs> I as you were doing it, I was like, I think he's over describing, like I'll do sometimes with mine where it's fake, and I'll like add lots of details. And I was like, I think he's making this up. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy that it worked out, and I'm happy you that got to good. see that because
0: it looks strangely That's like funny. the Detroit Lions. Cause it does. You That's see like how a, it's outlined yeah. in the silver too?
1: Yeah oh yeah that's weird all
0: right well that was cap or no cap
1: nice so we're tied up two two it's time for you effing idiot Every other week, we select an absolute moron from the past few weeks in sports and shout about them in this segment. Here we go. Okay, so, Bill Belichick. The dude's draft room
0: setup looked like the dining room of my old step-grandpas who had covered the entire thing in playing cards and stamps because he used to collect those things. Um... <laughs> I saw a lot of people online, probably dumb Patriots fans, defending him being like, well, actually, you have to appreciate it because it's just a small room in his mansion on the water on Chesapeake Bay. Okay. Great. Good for him. Still doesn't excuse the lame old person decor filling the room. I know your heyday may have been in the 50s, Bill, but that doesn't mean the house has to look like that era. And I know you're like 67, but, I mean, come on. Um... Furthermore, at the beginning of the draft, and I love, I love this. Belichick had his MacBook Pro, not a sponsor, yep. open at the table, you know, because they had to have the computers open so they could follow along with everything. So after a few shots of him back and forth from ESPN or whatever, all of a sudden his MacBook had been covered with a makeshift piece of printer paper that said Patriots, um, and it was also p- pixelated. So. Basically, either the league or the network called Mr. Belichick during the draft and said, yeah, um, we can't have the Apple logo displayed right now, so we're going to need you to cover that. So the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Belichick, and I yeah. actually really appreciate about this him about this, but it, he is still an idiot for this, basically copied and pasted the word Patriot's <laughs> Printed it and taped it over the apple on his computer.
1: Like, not a sticky note or something easy. The word <laughs> yeah. "patriots." It's it's like almost passive aggressive or something. <laughs> it probably yeah.
0: was knowing him, but that's a rookie mistake, Billy Boy. Know who your sponsors are, you friggin' idiot, <laughs> idiot.
1: Nice, good pick. Um, all right. This might be a premature. FN idiot selection for me, but I want to jump on this before I have the chance to be proven wrong. Um, Just because I want to take the chance to call Brian Gutkunst. I think it's Gutekunst. Gutekunst, The GM of the Green Bay Packers and the entire Green Bay Packers organization is this week's FN idiot. So when I saw... You and i when we were doing our draft we saw jordan love taken like you said our first reaction was concern about his future abilities maybe he'd be their next great quarterback but after reflecting on it more why have the packers apparently given up on their window with rogers your first two picks are backups for the two biggest strengths on your team last year now i'm all for drafting the best player available but not if you trade up in the first round to a spot where yeah. the best available is someone you don't need So you trade it up to take him. This might be the most wide receiver stacked draft and stacked first round in decades. And the only weapon you get for Rodgers is a third round blocking tight end. Three sixth round picks and you draft three straight offensive linemen. So this division's wide open next year, I think. And you willingly closed your own window on a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think the GM and the team just told you exactly what they think of Aaron Rodgers. They're building around a running game. They're trying yep. to be the Niners 2.0. They're building yep. around that, not Rodgers. And I'm calling my shot now. The Packers will finish either third or fourth in the, the division next year, and Rodgers is on his way out in the next two seasons. Book it. Idiot. Yep. So that was
0: you effing idiot. Freaking Idiot. Well, Shane, I think it's time we found that silver, silver lining. I'm Silver! So here's where we discuss if we have anything positive or uplifting to share or if we're just a human black hole void of any emotion other than anger at this point well this is actually pretty positive um and this would be really good news for our podcast and basically the world and everything um this was i was just hearing reports about this uh, the past couple of days today is april 28th so it's like um the pa- yeah over the weekend um and the past couple of days, I've been hearing rumors about like sports opening practicing facilities and things like that. And basically, today on ESPN, they were talking about it in full force, saying like the NBA, different teams depending on what state they're in, they're opening up their practice facilities as soon as like May eighth, which is in a couple weeks. Um, and then depending on different states and what their rules are, they'll open up. So like. Illinois, we're on stay-at-home order until May 30th, so the Bulls are looking to open up practice facilities on April 30th. Um, At this point, it sounds like it's still going to primarily be, like, individual workouts as opposed to, like, big group practices and things like that. Um, Jeff Passan, um, a reporter for the MLB for, I think it's Yahoo Sports, he said baseball will be back in 2020. And from what I've been hearing, MLB is targeting a June start date for baseball. I would guess at this point probably be the, like the end of June, but still. Um, I don't know what NHL is thinking at this point, but I've been hearing some people being positive about that returning. So basically, my silver lining is really pretty big news, but I think sports are coming back soon. I think the last dance is essentially the last dance for the coronavirus it's the last thing that is giving us the sports bridge crossover that's going to lead us back to regular sports as michael jordan would have wanted
1: for sure like you said we won't have a concrete dates or anything till we're closer obviously because we need to monitor as some of the restrictions are loosened how do um what is yeah what do the case numbers look like and everything um but just the fact that we're starting to maybe finally see some light at the end of the tunnel is very positive so that's our shared silver lining
0: (laughs) yeah that can just be our collective silver lining
1: well that's what we're frustrated about excited about and what we're talking about in general today what about you share your frustrations with us or about us at real FN podcast on social media or nation of frustration at gmail.com or go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. And if you're frustrated that this episode is over because you want to hear more, be sure to look for new episodes every Thursday, everywhere you can get podcasts and be sure to subscribe. If you get as frustrated as we do, or you just enjoy hearing us gab, consider supporting the show on Patreon for a monthly subscription or Venmo tip jar for one-time donations. Every little bit helps. Even $1, also known as 430 millionth of Mike Trout's contract, makes a big difference for us. We appreciate the support. Now get out there and frustrate the hate.